The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... And welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Howdy. Hey there, Mitch. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about games five and six against Dallas before we move into the big game seven. And after that, we'll take a look at uh, what who we're going to possibly match up against if we do win this game seven, and it's going to be the Golden State Warriors. Shoutouts are in order for our bet question from last week. Shout out to Omar at Midcard at Best on Twitter. We were guessing DeAndre Ayton points in game four. Uh, Ayton had 14 and Omar said 18, so he was the closest. So give him a follow on Twitter. Between the two of us, I win again. I'm undefeated in the playoffs. Uh, so I now lead this season 13 to 9. That hurts. <laughs> I did not think I was going to run away with it this much. And, I mean, it just goes to show, like, the last thing that I said on this podcast, our last episode, was that the Suns were going to sweep the maps. So, <laughs> I'm off. Well, I'm I off. said Suns in five, so I was off, too. Yeah. Well, Ugh. we're homers. Deal with it. Yeah, we are. <laughs> okay. So, since we're homers, this will be easy for us. We'll start with that game five, the 110 to 80 victory over the Mavericks. And it fin- we can finally say the Suns looked like the Suns in this game. Yeah, this was a fun one. I was really hopeful. I was like, we're closing this out. This is, you know, we're just going to play one more game. We love playing game six on the road. Uh, no, I was wrong. But game five was great. Really fun. 30-point win, blowout. It's just what we had been hoping for. Yeah, we, we saw the team absolutely come alive in, well, especially the second half. Third quarter, we outscored them 33-14. to 14, And yeah. we just, it looked like we were doing everything right. I mean, we were making them turn the ball over. We were making them take tough shots. And luckily, they were missing their shots in this one. Their worst shooting performance of the playoff, shooting 25% from downtown. Yeah. So we, we had a lot of things going our way in this one. But on top of that, this was Phoenix Suns basketball, and we were firing at all cylinders, finally. Yeah, being at home was so helpful. Um, yeah, it just looked like the team we've been watching all season that won 64 games. Um, I think this game is kind of what 
a lot of us expected through, which, you know, we kind of saw a little bit in games one and two, but we were expecting this in games three and four too. So, uh, yeah, that third quarter was really nice. They were just bricking everything, which really was the first time that they were missing that much. Um, and the other thing that I like is it was really close at the half. Um, we only had a slight lead at halftime. Uh, and then we just blew it wide open. Um, it kind of like, I think it was game two where we did that as well. Um, so that was nice. This was a really fun one. Yeah, and something that also blew up in this game was the rotation. Yeah, uh, we saw Cameron Payne get moved to the the end of the bench, as well as Javale McGee with uh, Landry Shamit taking over those guard minutes, and then Biombo playing twenty one minutes in this game. And uh, look at the stat line: seven point six rebounds, plus twenty in those twenty one yeah. minutes, though. Mm-hmm. It made Monty Williams look like a genius. Like, here's this big adjustment. Um, JaVale just has not really been able to do much against the Mavs. Payne has been pretty bad throughout all the playoffs. Um, I thought that was a nice little move. (laughs) It didn't work quite as well in Game 6, but, um, yeah, nice adjustment. So I'm really interested to see what that looks like in Game 7. Yeah, I know. Uh, We went with more or less the same rotation in Game 6. But obviously that was uh, nearly as bad of a loss as this one was for the Mavericks in Game 5. Right, so right. how much can you really switch up a lineup in Game 7 after you've been... I, I don't know. We'll talk about that a right. little more once we uh, preview that we game. Will. But. We will, yeah. But no, I mean, in this one, it was we had pretty balanced scoring. Booker had 28 on 11 for 20 shooting. Not even that great of a game for Booker. But he hit three really big threes, I think all right in a row, um, in that third quarter to really break it open. Uh, Aiton had 20. Mikhail had 14. Cam Johnson had 14. Nice moment from the Twins on an alley-oop. Fast break alley-oop, too. That yes. was fun. Um, and then Shamit had seven, or eight, sorry. Biombo had seven. Chris Paul had seven. It was, you know, everyone doing a little bit. Um, but... Yeah, like uh, one of the things I like about this is that it was a 30-point win and Booker, shooting-wise, really was not as good as he has been. Yeah, that's that's very true. It, it felt like we weren't leaning on a single player in this game. Right. Uh, even though Booker did have by far the most shots put up. But, I mean, Aiton was solid in this one for sure. Bridges had a pretty decent scoring output in this one, uh, man. But for the most part, you can tell Mikhail is working hard on defense because he he's missing a lot of shots that he normally makes. And even and they're uh, short, they're short. And man, he's even missing like fast break layups at the rim where he's one of the better finishers in the league. Yeah, so that's a. Uh, that that's a little worrisome, but we can all be thankful that for this extra day off in between games oh, six yeah. and game seven. Oh, we need it. Yeah. Well, and for the Mavs in this one, Luca had twenty eight and Brunson had twenty one. Bretons had ten, I guess. But outside of them, no one really did a whole lot. A lot of missed shots. So I mean that's I think that's such a big part of this is the Mavs role players have just been on fire. 
And a lot of that is on us, turning the ball over, not playing very good defense, especially on the perimeter, um, looking tired, looking like we don't want it at times. Um, But game five, this was not the case. I mean, game five is the blueprint for how to beat the Mavs, really. Right. And I mean, just looking at their role players in this loss in this game, Reggie Bullock with zero Mm-hmm. Uh, played 35 minutes though. He seemed a little banged up, and yeah, it wasn't his night. Yeah. And Powell barely plays out of their starting lineup, so the big zero there isn't too surprising. But Bullock with zero, Dinwiddie with two in the loss. Move right. over to the win. Bullock with 19, Dinwiddie with 15. Right. Exactly. It's just very apparent that we can't let those guys. Well. We can let those guys try to beat us, mm-hmm. but we, but they can't be wide open shots or exactly right at the rim. Because exactly. How many wide open threes has Reggie Bullock found himself shooting this series? Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. At least twenty, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, and Kleba and Bertans and in Game Six Dinwiddie, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the key to beating Dallas is understanding that Luca and Brunson are going to score. They're going to get their stats. And, well, Brunson wasn't great early on, but he's been really good lately. But if we can just let Brunson and Luca each score 30 or whatever, that's fine. They're going to do their thing. We can let that happen to a certain extent. But we got to shut down their shooters and their role players. For sure. Uh, And one last note before we move on to the next game. Uh, and actually, we can just start it with that, I suppose. Yeah. JaVale McGee was brought onto this roster to beat a team like the Bucks. Uh, yes. Not yes. the Mavericks. This is a terrible situation for McGee. He's he's a little too big and lumbering to be able to stay out on Bertans or uh, Kleber. Kleba. Yeah. Th- those are tough matchups for him. And Kleba's big enough to give JaVale a little trouble when he's down at the rim too. So mm-hmm. we're not taking advantage of their size. We're getting beaten by uh, just more agile big men because man, and it feels like every three that Maxi or Berton's put up, it's going in. Yes. They are great shooters. Yeah. Wow. Just missiles and Berton's. I think he's, let me double check this. If it's still right. Oh, Yep, he has only shot three-pointers. Yeah, yeah. Literally, that's... Just threes, yeah. Yeah, so we got to shut those guys down, limit the three-pointers. And that's the thing, they shoot a ton of threes. I mean, 40-ish in a game. Oh, yeah, 39 in game six, 32 in game five. And, yeah, I mean... Seeing them put up more than 40 should not be surprising. Right. They are going to shoot those threes, so we have to be ready for that. And <clears throat> we have not been shooting many threes. I mean, game five, when we won, we made 12 threes. In game six, I think we took 12 threes. Uh, we, we took 18 in game, oh, we took 18. in game six. Okay. Well, it feels like we took 12. But they took 39, right? Yep. They, so, they made two more or two fewer than we shot. Yeah. 
so I, I mean, I don't know. It was so weird because game six, we just, it looked like we went away from everything we did that was working. And I mean, I, it showed in the score. It was 113 to 86. Uh, yeah. Not quite a 30 point difference, but pretty close. 27. Yeah, very close. Yeah, I mean, Aiton played well, but outside of that, it was rough. Yeah, uh, Aiton plays well, and it feels like, I feel like I say this every game, win or lose, we need to feed Aiton the ball more. And yeah, we this is a, he put up 16 shots in, a, in this one, and that's a, I'd consider that a lot for him, but yeah. it. I think it needs to be 16 to 20 per game, no matter what. Yes, I agree. Especially yeah. against these guys. Like, he's too big for Powell, and then he's just better than Kleba. He should be right. able to just take those guys in the lane every single time. And if he's going to put up a contested one, I don't even mind. You, you know, right. like, I'd rather see a bit of a contested baby hook from Aiton than a, a crap three at the end of the shot clock. Or a turnover. I yeah, mean, we have turned the ball over <laughs> so many times. Okay, I'm I got to do this. Yeah. <clears throat> Chris Paul, the point god. Yeah. Why on earth do we fall into the let Chris get pressured, walk the ball up up the court, literally pass the time mark as the clock's hitting 16? Right. And then not get into action until there's six seconds left on the clock. It's yeah, it is how do, ridiculous. How, how do you beat pressure? How do you beat ball pressure? Pass. You have to yeah, pass you the have ball to and pass break it. the press. We do not run a press break hardly ever. Well, I I don't know if anyone does a press break, but just getting someone moving towards the hoop, the option to pass to him would be nice. But right. I mean. I know Chris likes to have control of the game, but I do not want to watch him back the ball up the court until there's six seconds left. Then he gets his pick, and then it's uh, one pass and a shot no matter what because it has to be. Right. Uh, We look good when the ball's zipping around the court, and we did not see that hardly at all here in this game six. Right. And we have passed the ball so well all season. And, yeah, now all of a sudden it's – Chris Paul, you know, with the illusion that he's in control to do, you know, just what you said, six seconds left on the shot clock, get into the offense, set the screen, make one pass that either gets picked off or is for a bad shot. Like, move the ball. Use those 24 seconds. I mean, I I just think... And this goes back to Chris Paul wanting to be in control even when it's not working bringing the ball up the court and backing it across the timeline, like you said, he if even if we brought one more guy up into, you know, before half court, just so Chris Paul can pass it off and go back and forth a little bit, and just to speed that up a little bit. I know it's not a full-on press break, but just give him a little help. But I don't know. I think it's hard because he doesn't want that. He's calling, he's telling guys to back off. Oh, I got this. I think Chris Paul needs to realize he might not have it as much as he thinks. Uh, And that's been very apparent looking at the stat line the last couple games. In this one, he had more turnovers and fouls than assists. He had four assists, 
five fouls, five turnovers. Yeah. Ugh. And it's been tough. And it just seems like we saw this brand of the Suns pop into play a few times over the season where it looked like they just didn't care. They got lackadaisical. And I don't know, maybe they were just uh, accepting defeat at some point of this game, which isn't good. But no. I don't know. It, it's just uh, not fun to see. And then, like, imagine those guys watching tape of this. They have to rewatch this with their coaches and get called right. out on what happened. That's got to leave some sort of taste in your mouth heading into a game seven. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm nervous for game seven. Yeah, they they spanked us last game, but I'm almost thankful they spanked us because this is a team that doesn't like being embarrassed. Yeah. Better to get spanked in game six than game seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a knock on wood. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope <laughs> there's another podcast I listen to that uses this knock sometimes, like audio. And yeah. I always think someone's actually at my door. Uh, so if anyone went and got the door, no, you're not alone. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with Game 7. I mean, listeners of this show know I'm pretty much the eternal optimist. Like, I can find the good in anything. I don't feel great about Game 7. I don't think anyone feels great about Game 7. Yeah, uh, It's an unknown for most of our roster. Most of our roster. We've had a few guys playing some Game 7s over the years. Uh, it's safe to say I'm thankful that, oh man, like Luke is going to step up big. But I'm still thankful that he's a young hothead who can't really keep yes. control of his, imag- his emotions. So right. how's that going to come to life in a Game 7? That's something that'll yeah. be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, especially with just how things have been so chippy back and forth in general. Yeah. I wonder if Biombo and Marquise Chris will actually fight in Game 7. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. I I almost wish that fight would have happened, even though I don't, <laughs> I don't condone it, but I wish Chris would have got a, a bit of a lesson taught to him. Yeah. Oh, Marquise Chris. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, even after the tribute video and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we had a beautiful tribute video for Marquise before yeah, one of these games. Him right? showing up to Summer League in his second year completely out of shape. <laughs> Weighing like 300. <laughs> that was, I remember when we went to Summer League and we were so excited. We were like, Marquise Chris is going to just like destroy everyone. This is going to be great. And like he showed up and looked so bad. <laughs> His like his face looked fat. I remember it was that. weird. He he definitely put on some weight over the off season, but he he looked a little rough. And didn't he like sprain his ankle or something? Yeah, I think he did get hurt early on. And like the, the writing was on the wall when he showed up looking like that. Yeah, we were like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I also remember being excited about Davon Reed that summer. And uh, yeah, dark times. Well, hey, Davon Reed, he's still with the Nuggets, right? I think so. Yeah. He's he's around. That's he's more than still, a lot of guys can say lately. Yeah. So I'm well, I'm actually for a second round pick, he's still on a roster. That's a that is pretty my good. Book. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, I think he did take a little tour overseas, though. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm glad we're not dealing with that stuff anymore. Um, But the thing that I want to add to this with Game Seven, I've been thinking about this because you know I spend a little bit of time on Twitter. You know, our podcast Twitter account at Sunny and PHX Pod. You know, I just look to kind of get a feel for what people are saying, the overall sentiment about the game. During the game, sometimes I tweet, sometimes I don't. A lot of you know this, but um, I'd stay off Twitter. I haven't been on it much. Um, If we lose game seven, like, you have to realize there's more to life and that this is a game. And, like, sure, we're going to be upset and that's fine, but, like, we're talking about a game. This is there's so much more to life. So stay off Twitter. Uh, don't be super negative. Think about the things in your life that you're grateful for. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the stuff that comes to mind when I see the way people act on Twitter. It's like there is more to life. Yeah, like I see all that stuff, and I just want to tell those kids to go give their mom a hug. You know? Exactly, yeah. Go outside, <laughs> look at the stars at night. Touch grass. <laughs> I mean, I know uh, I don't use the soundboard as much anymore, so I could definitely do the okay boomer on myself right now. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just think about that. Like, yeah, these losses suck, but it's like I'm watching a game and it's fun. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. No, I I completely get you, and I don't know if we we are boomers and we kind of miss the crazy smack talk on Twitter as a hobby. Yeah, fad. You know, yeah. I I just can't I I can't do that. Like no. I could come up with some pretty wild crap to go say on there, but yeah, it, it's not worth it. Getting there getting was... some some dude and. Oklahoma riled up about something isn't right. really worth it to me, you know. Exactly. There was some guy who was a Clippers fan last year that I tweeted something, some jab at the Clippers, whatever. And he responded and it was funny, whatever. We went back and forth and that was like the most like Twitter drama I've ever been in. <laughs> and I like didn't feel good about it. I like felt bad. And then after we lost in the finals, I tweeted something about like this was a great season. I was really I'm really happy we made it to the finals whatever. And he had some response <laughs> that like, "Oh, and I'm like, whatever. Like the Clippers didn't make it that far." And I'm just like, this is not worth it. Like clearly this guy was like ready for me to tweet this. And I think I just like blocked. I'm like, I don't have time to deal with this kind of stuff. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I know. Like the one time I've ever been in Twitter yeah. beef was with yep. some, you know, I'm sure 18 year old Clippers fan who lived in, you know, whatever, New Mexico or something. And sure. I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm going to block you. And <laughs> I like, did he win? I don't know. Maybe. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Most podcasts would probably be trying to stack their Twitter follower numbers. Meanwhile, (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally telling you, like, don't be on Twitter or here. How about this? To be a good podcaster, go on Twitter, follow us at signing PHX pod and then get off Twitter. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. 
Okay. You won't miss anything, I promise you. <laughs> anyway, game seven. There's game seven. Uh, here's a, a takeaway. Okay. I think our defense... Our defensive schemes have been subpar in our losses, obviously. Mm-hmm. I would rather see us come out in the first quarter and play defense like the Mavericks have been against us. Yeah. Absolute balls-to-the-wall, man-to-man defense, fight over the screen. I want to see Mikhail fight over screens against Luka. Like, I, mm-hmm. I want to see Luka either put up a – Contested shot or throw an alley-oop to Powell or Powell. Like, yeah. I'll live with that rather than watching a switch supposed to happen and not happen and watch Luca literally walk into the lane for a layup or dunk, which is disgusting. Yeah. Um, I think everybody just needs to step it up more, really lean on the man-to-man defense. I don't even care what pick-and-roll defensive scheme that we're going to do like I don't even care it just needs to be more intense I want to see a lot of drop coverage soft zone just kidding you're right I want to see all of those same things I want to see ball pressure they have been great the Mavs have been great at pressuring the ball bringing double teams on our best players it's a little bit different with the Mavs because their shooters have been hot So when you double team, they're going to get the ball to someone who's open. But we've done a good job at times of pressuring the ball a little bit just to get them really low in the shot clock and force a less opportune shot. I want to see more of that. I think so, too. And, I mean, we've done a pretty good job here and there of getting them into those crummy situations at the end of the shot clock because Mm – you know, if you stop Luca's main idea, if he's trying to back you in or something, uh, and that gets stopped and he's got to dish it out, everything should break down then. But, right. I, I mean, then there's been occasions of that where their offense breaks down, they have to go reset it, and then we don't even go get out on our man after we, right. you right. know, the, the rotations after the fact are yes. just as bad as they are when the play's happening. Because we're getting burnt. Yeah wide open shots and of course they're going to knock it down dorian finney smith is going to knock down 50 percent of his threes if no one even has a hand in his face right here's another thing that i'm i'm just like what do we do when when they get it so chris paul is on luca and luca just backs him down because chris paul just isn't big enough and you know luca's gonna win that battle most of the time what do we do in those situations that's tough. I mean, that's, that, so that's been the, the toughest thing that we run into, I think, because like Aiton's been doing an excellent job when he gets switched on to Luca. Yeah. Uh, Booker does a decent job, but Chris is getting burnt. Yeah. And I, I don't know. This might be a real tough call for Monty Williams. And I don't know what's up with Chris Paul right now, because the only time we've seen a stretch of games like this from Chris was when he was injured last playoffs. Right. Uh, at what point do we just lean on Landry? Yeah, because I don't know. Landry, he's more athletic than Chris. He's a little bigger than Chris. Mm-hmm. Probably can do a touch better on Luca. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that. well, that's an interesting thought. When we notice them just 
you know, doing the straight up Luca's going to back Chris Paul down, just taking Chris Paul out and say, okay, you're going to do that. Then we're not going to even have him on the floor. I don't know. I don't know if that's the solution. That is a tough one. And something that we haven't really done either is uh, run the point booker and then put a guy like Craig or Cam out there. And then, you know, things are all very switchable at that point, which is nice because you can just dedicate to the switch. But also, I mean, those guys are pretty decent defenders. Cam's been getting burnt by Luca, but he has. I think Tori can probably hold his own a little bit better. I, but here's the thing: it's Game Seven. We've been working all this out. Is putting a new guy into big minutes is that the answer? Is taking, you know, one of the best point guards of all time out of the game? Is that going to be helpful? It's a tough call. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think in reality what's going to happen is Chris Paul will step up. He will play better. He knows this is a big game. I mean, this is his opportunity. It's it's win now mode. Yeah. Like, we've learned from last year. We don't need another learning opportunity. <laughs> Chris Paul doesn't need another learning opportunity, I should say. Right. I mean, he's it's it's championship or bust. So I think he is going to come out and do what he needs to do. He's got an extra day of rest. Um, I think he will be much better. Yeah, the way Chris was so open about celebrating that extra day off, mm-hmm. I, you, you got to assume he's gassed. Yeah. I mean, everyone is. Even or her. at times the Mavs, you can see they're tired. Yeah, and... I'm not here to shout out Luka Doncic too often. But that big boy has been playing 35-plus minutes a game, and he's he hasn't keeled over yet. So I no, guess that's somewhat he's, impressive. He's been very good. <clears throat> yeah, I think we can just end it with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't like him at all. But, like, oh. yeah, this, this I think the extra day of rest favors us so much more, though. Absolutely. Yep. And, and at home. This is why you play the regular season the way you do, because we are at home. Yes, that, that's the biggest thing. This is why you bust it all regular season and come away with the Suns franchise record for best regular season ever. And it's for this exact reason, going to Game 7. Right. All right. But our bet question for Game 7, uh, we're looking at Chris Paul points. So how many points is he going to score? I'll let you choose. Do you want to go first or second? I'll be gracious since I, you know. It doesn't matter at this point. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. I have a number in my head. I'm going 18. 18. Uh, See, this is so hard. 18 is an interesting guess. Is he going to go off? Because a good Chris Paul game doesn't necessarily mean a ton of scoring. Like game six, 13, two, and four with five turnovers, a good game for him could have been 13, maybe four, and 10 assists with one turnover. And we'd say, yeah, that was a really good Chris Paul game. It doesn't have to take a ton of scoring. We know he can. Is he going to go for 30 again or 28 or whatever? Uh I'll go 20. 
I will say Kaliba has done an excellent job as the pick and roll defender showing up on Chris to take away his elbow jumpers. Uh, Honestly, haven't seen anyone do it that well all year. Yeah. Yeah. Got to give a shout out to to like He he can't even get that snake dribble in to get to the spot. No. Uh, I mean, they're just there. So, yeah, Yeah, that's true. So let us know on Twitter at Sunny and PHX pod, how many points you think Chris Paul will score and then get off Twitter. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, man, I, Jason Kidd doing a heck of a job, too. He is. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. So now to the non-sports section of the show. Uh, we were just talking about this kind of randomly before the show, but what are your hotel tips and tricks? You travel and stay in a hotel. What does everyone need to do in a hotel? Okay. So I have two. One is for an extended stay somewhere. Two is for just a one night or whatever. So if you're going to be in a hotel room for multiple days, it's kind of cheesy. But if you bring a candle and light it in there, it makes the hotel room just feel a little more homey. I don't know what it is. It's maybe the smell and just the candle burning. I don't know. But it's a I, I've done that a couple times when I'm at a hotel for like three plus days. And it's just a really nice thing to have. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, mine is not very comforting, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, hotels are really gross, uh, even nice ones. So I say the top, you know, sheet cover on the bed, the bedspread, take that off immediately because they don't wash that. So take that off and just put it on the floor. Uh, that's one of my tips. And then the other thing I've learned this somewhat recently. Towels. When you're when you are leaving, put all your towels on the floor. Because if they're not on the floor and it looks like they haven't been used, a lot of times they don't get washed. So put every towel on the floor so that you ensure they get washed. Um, I'm I one of the things I like about hotels is that you can get a fresh towel like every day. And that doesn't usually happen at home, you know. We wash our sheets and towels like every other week. So I like going to a hotel and using a towel once and getting it washed. I know it's not very efficient, but it <laughs> hardly ever happens. So Treat I'm a big yourself, fan Mitchell. of just, yeah, throw that towel on the floor, get a new one every day. All right. My second one is, depending on the season, always have a pair of flip-flops. Or slippers in your bag. Yes. Because when you're chilling at the hotel and you need to, you know, go run down to your car or if it's cool and you just want slippers on, that's big time. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know how often you want to be bare feet in a hotel room for the same reasons you were talking about sheets because who knows? Mm -hmm. Hotels are really kind of sketchy. It's weird when you think about it. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, My, I've got a positive tip too though and i learned this one somewhat recently as well i can't say this has ever happened to me necessarily but i've heard some stories lately of this happening quite a bit uh check the drawers because a lot of times there'll be like a bible in the drawer and people will leave cash in there so just open that up and see if any cash falls out really 
Yeah, that's the new thing. That's the new trick people have been talking about. Doesn't hurt to check. Now, do hotel maids know this information? I don't know. That's a good question. Probably. I would imagine so. Uh, The last hotel I stayed in, I was transporting some home-squeezed grapefruit juice from Arizona to South Dakota via car. (laughs) So, not ideal. But anyways, my hotel room had a mini fridge in it with a little freezer section. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nice, I'll be able to put this in the freezer tonight. It'll be rock solid, and it'll be perfect for the to fit back into the cooler when I leave tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The Ziploc bag came open while it was oh. in there, and I absolutely, like, there was just a half inch of grapefruit juice at the bottom of the fridge. I felt oh. so bad. So I, I left the made a five spot on top of the fridge and said, I spilled, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, probably deserved a little more, but that was the only cash I had. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I haven't stayed in a hotel in so long. Just because way less travel. I'm usually doing Airbnb nowadays. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been a while since I've stayed in a hotel. And well, I. The more we talked about it, the the weirder and weirder it got. Like, yeah, you're sharing this bed with God knows who. Exactly. Like, were these sheets cleaned? And, you know, I assume they are for the most part. But the top yeah. blanket thing, they don't. Yeah, you're right. They probably don't right. wash they that. They do not wash that. Oh. And I don't blame them. Like, that's a lot to wash. They're already washing a lot. You don't need to wash the top. But just take it off the bed. Then you don't even have to worry about it. Fair enough. All right. We got to end this thing right here. Uh, (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back after this series. Uh, Maybe before the, you know, if we move on, we'll be playing the Warriors. We'll maybe try to fit one in before then, depending on the dates that everything starts. But just keep an eye on your podcast app for us. We will see you again. And go Suns.